Welcome to On The Line. It's Tuesday, July 26th, and I'm Corey Mall here with Olivia Ekbenet and Ashley Titians. Uh, we're T-minus a few days out from the AU Junior Olympics in Greensboro, North Carolina. Starting this week, it's going to commence at North Carolina a Stadium. It's going to be a grand old time. But we will be remiss if we don't get to a little bit of actually cross-country this episode uh, before we kind of take some time off after AU and get a breather and go back into cross-country. Uh, and then we're also going to peek forward into the World U20 Championships, which begins August 1st, like we did last week. Uh, just programming note, you can find On the Line with Mile Split on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. So subscribe to it if you like it, if you listen to it, um, give us a rating, all that jazz. Uh, but first, Olivia, how are you doing? Dude, I'm excited that we are officially on Spotify. I made sure I followed it on Spotify. Got to give it the rating. So I'm so happy to be here. And like you mentioned, AU's kicking off. So I spent the weekend just kind of recovering, not trying to do too much, just getting ready for all the excitement. But overall, such a great weekend. How about for you? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, getting ready for the weekend. Um, you know, as usual, kind of chillaxed, did some uh, errands around the around the neighborhood and mow the grass, all that stuff. Uh, Ashley, what about you? Yeah, I'm with Olivia. I was just kind of relaxing, you know, the almost like the calm before the storm. But mm -hmm. I'm excited to go back to Greensboro. I love North Carolina, obviously, since I'm from there. So it'll be nice to be back near home. And, you know, like Olivia said, too, go follow us on Spotify now. If you're like me who likes to listen to podcasts while you're running, yep. I'll put in that plug. It's or, a great, or, great little thing to listen to. Or on the, the drive to your commute, whatever you, <laughs> exactly. whatever you do. Exactly. All right, Ashley, I think we got a guest on the line. Who do we got here? We do. So like you said, Corey, we are going to kick off today with some conversation about cross country. And here today we have our special guest on the podcast, Irene Riggs. She is from Morgantown, West Virginia, in a Stanford commit, a high school rising senior who is coming off her most successful year yet as a junior, where she claims three individual outdoor titles in West Virginia in cross country, she won her second straight state title, reached East Bay Nationals, and was an All-American there. And we want to catch up with Irene as she puts in the miles and gets ready for her final year on the grass. Hello, Irene. How are you this morning? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. So first off, kind of like what I already mentioned, let's talk about this awesome junior year that you've had so far this past year. As I mentioned, it was, you know, certainly probably your most successful high school, you know, year from cross country through track to date. Um, you know, you won your mm -hmm. three state titles in track outdoors, and then you won your cross country title as well. How would you describe mm -hmm. that whirlwind of a year that you've had so far? Yeah, so like coming off of COVID, um, I knew I was really excited for cross country last fall, just to have the opportunity to like get out of the state again because my sophomore year pretty much all of my races for both cross country and track were in the state of West Virginia so I was really excited um and obviously my goal was kind of to make it to one of those like postseason championship races so when I qualified for East Bay um nationals I was really excited it was like my first honestly like my first experience like really doing a race that big and so it was really cool and it was really fun and so then when track came around I knew 
after that, after going off of that, I knew I wanted to try to go to Brooks, um, which I ended up doing. And that was also really fun. So yeah, it was a great year. I looking back, it was definitely it was so much fun. I was like kind of sad when track season was over. Yeah, that's right. I mean, so you got the chance to, you know, race against some national talent and that in a way it propelled you to, I mean, you've always, since you began as a freshman, you've been a star from Morgantown, but this year you really even, even though you've already were running elite times, you saw those times drop even more, probably I'm assuming from a lot of that national competition. Just for example, so you went from in 2021 running 1017 for the 3200 to clocking 950, 950 for a full two mm-hmm. miles. And I mean, the list goes on, yeah. you know, you went from 215 to 212 and then the eight, 456 to four, or four, yeah, 456 to 447 in the 1600. What do you think has been the key to that, you know, impressive progression just in the last year alone? Yeah, no, I definitely think that part of it has been like able to race, um, out of the state and you know with that national competition and I think then you know like that also helped me realize like the different strategies of racing I think sophomore year I struggled a lot with um pacing I think since you know COVID and everything being kind of crazy a lot of the races were really small like meets and so I would just try to go out really fast and just try to like hold on and I think this year I kind of got into the groove more of running I came you know, more experienced. And now I can kind of go out and races more controlled and like hit the back half stronger. So yeah. That's amazing. Irene, thank you again so much for joining us. And like Ashley has just been talking about, you've had a fantastic junior season. I'm looking forward to seeing what you do this year. So talk to us a little bit more and you kind of touched on it just now, but what would you say you learned about yourself during your junior season? Um, I think I learned that you can get a lot of confidence off of your training. I think that for me, whenever I would go to, whenever I go to big races, I just kind of look back at the training that I've done and like the reps that I know I've done. And that kind of has really helped me because I know that I'm able to hit those reps and those paces in practice. So I kind of been able to tell myself well if I can do it there I can do it here um so yeah that and just like like I was touching on earlier like my coach has done a really really good job of trying to implement more pacing and because like I said it was something I was really bad at um so uh getting to know how to like get yourself into a set pace and just keep going has really helped me um so yeah I think that is kind of what I used this year (laughs) That's fantastic. You touched on the Brooks PR Invitational. I kind of want to dive into that because it was a very historic race. You and Dahlia Frias Mm -hmm. ran the number one and number two all-time performances in the two mile. And of course, Ashley mentioned you ran a 950 in that race. With With this particular race being your last outdoor race of the season, how has that race somewhat boosted your confidence going into your senior season and also just thinking about cross country? Like, how has that race just kind of boosted your confidence going into the season? Yeah, so I would say, like, a week before Brooks, I ran, like, a 1600 time trial, I guess. Um, and that I, that went really well. So, like, going into Brooks, um, I was, like, I had, like, the confidence that I knew, like, I could do, I could go 
really fast in the two mile and that I could just stick with that front pack. Um, and so getting there and just, you know, being with Dahlia, like it was just so, it was so much fun because you just, when you're racing with somebody else, you know, you're able to just like stick with them and you're like, okay, if they're doing it, like I can do it too. Like it's hard, but it's like hard for both of us. And that in a sense makes it easier if that makes sense. Um, and so after Brooks, I was like, I was so happy. I mean, I didn't, I had no idea that we ran number one and number two until like, like an hour or so or an hour and like a half <laughs> later. And like somebody said something, I was like, wait, really? And then I was like really excited about that. But yeah, it definitely boosted my confidence going into cross country. Like I'm really excited. You know, it's my senior year. The decisions for like college and stuff are made. So I'm not stressing about that. And I can really just immerse myself in cross country and just try to have a really good senior season. Yeah, congrats at Stanford, by the way. Uh, a good crew going there this coming semester, mm-hmm. but also you, you going in there too. And I would say about the, the two mile and 3,200 meters this year for girls, I mean, uh, you know, you and, and a bunch of others helped knock down some walls uh, with the amount of, of volume that, you know, was able to go under 10 minutes. So really amazing stuff there. Quick and big question, cross country or track? Okay. This is like so hard for me because if you asked me like a year ago, I would have said cross country all the way. But now that I know how to pace, like I think track is actually really fun. Like I used to think track was just painful, but now I find it fun. So I really, I don't know. I would say right now I'm like leaning towards track. But like, if you ask me in a few months, I'll be like, oh my gosh, cross country. (laughs) It's kind of like whatever season I'm in, I get really into it. For sure. You have unlocked that key though, which is, you know, crucial. Um, And we're looking forward to to you kind of coming into your own even this year too. But uh, earlier this outdoor season, I actually spoke with Josh Edwards, who's out in university, which is, you know, also in your state. Mm -hmm. And we talked about the culture of distance running in West Virginia at the the prep level. not not like an overall it doesn't compare to say like california or other states but i think it is sort of building over the last couple of years it's blossoming um josh mm-hmm. and his team did really well this year you obviously did really well you and leah um have done uh, amazing things over the last couple of seasons how do you feel about west virginia's distance scene and where it's going where you can leave it i guess by by the time you, you leave next year yeah no it definitely is building you know you can go back and we've West Virginia has produced some really, really good runners. I mean, obviously, Tori Starcher and Millie Palladino, you can look at them and they've left a really big imprint um, and for not just West Virginia running, but outside of that. And I think that this past like two or three years, like what you touched on, um, what Josh was discussing is we've also really been able to develop some strong teams, which is really exciting. Um, And that just shows that, you know, West Virginia is becoming a state with more than just, you know, a few good runners, you know, we have solid distance running teams. And I think it's really something that's special. And I think that it because we're from such, you know, like a small state, I think it's kind of a motivator for us to do really good this upcoming season. So we can just kind of like show people uh, what West Virginia distance running really is. Definitely, definitely. And we wouldn't bring you on this podcast if we didn't get into off-season training a little bit. Wanted to dive into that just a bit. I mean, it is mm-hmm. crucial moments here, I guess, for any distance runner to, to build their mileage, build their foundation, kind of work on things that they want to, you know, help them 
you know, succeed in the future. Mm-hmm. What are you getting into? I mean, what what are some of your goals that you've wanted to sort of touch on this season? Uh, is there any sort of specialty camps you've gone to to work on stuff? I mean, what kind of off season what has it been like for you? Yeah, so my coach does. We have like basically like three practices a week, um, and two of them are like basic strength <laughs> and like speed work for like an hour ish. You know, we just kind of work on just injury prevention, strength stuff and um, core and that area to just kind of focus on injury prevention, but also form. And then we do um, some like strides and just basically like easy runs for the first part of the summer, um, just to get back, you know, from break, especially with like Brooks going late. I was like, after that I took you know my time off and then some easy runs but now we're in like a workout a week um kind of phase and eventually we'll get to two workouts again a week but right now like our workouts one thing my coach really focuses on is um hill reps so we do a lot of hill reps like every Wednesday or like every other Wednesday he just sends us out to do like our workout for the week is just like 30 minutes of hill repeats just up and down um and you can find a lot of hills in West Virginia so you can uh kind of spice up where you go but that's pretty much the staple workout and then we also hit some like tempo stuff in the off season um but yeah it's pretty much it's pretty chill for me um I will say I do I do love a good long run so that's um, something that I kind of like to focus on, especially when there's only one workout a week. So definitely, definitely good to hear. And, you know, I wanted to touch on your family too. Um, your dad obviously coaches at West Virginia. He's the, the, the swimming coach, their head uh, swimming coach. Mm-hmm. Your, your mom coaches a program as well. I mean, swimming is a huge part of your family's, you know, history and legacy, but also, I mean, you've kind of ventured onto the other endurance side of that. Um, what kind of part did your parents play in your discovery of, of running? How does swimming fit in your life? Um, and what's it been like sort of, you know, being in a family that really um, embraces, you know, this this endurance sport, whether it's swimming or, or distance running? Yeah, so they were like, they were a little sad, you know, when I quit swimming just because I wasn't going to be around them as much, you know, my practices were different, but they've always been like, do whatever makes you happy, like, they're super they're not like intense about sports really at all which I think is really nice and I think it's a nice balance because like you said like swimming and running are they're really like similar in the fact that they're endurance sports um so it's nice because they know what running is about and they understand some things but they're also not like super educated on running so when they come and watch me race you know they're just there to watch me and they just like they're always like have fun you know so I really like that aspect and also swimming I mean it did play a really big role when I was younger I swam for many years like up to freshman year of high school um so it's real it's still really important for me like when I need to cross train that's where I'm gonna go I'm not gonna go on the stationary bike I'm gonna go like <laughs> off the dog or swim yeah so it still plays an active role just not as much gotcha at least you have swimming in your back pocket which I think is fantastic I know yeah I know we've been talking about cross country and you know you're you're putting in the long runs right now and of course I'm in Virginia I don't have as many hills as West Virginia but I can totally relate but just kind of thinking about the last three years that you've had during the cross country season if you can name one 
memory that you have during cross country, what would that be and why? Okay. Oh no. Okay. So can I say two? You can say two. No rules here. I said you. The first one would be my freshman year when we won states because that was just like, I mean, I've, that was just so, so fun because I didn't win the state meet as like an individual, but it's like when you do something with a team, it just, it, it's just so special and like no one really can take that away from you. And that was like so, so exciting for me to come in as a freshman and like be able to be a part of such a good team. And then obviously we still have like a great team, but um, the second in th- moment would be at Foot Locker Nationals um, or East Bay Nationals this year. Um, that was for, like Freudian slip such there. A, yeah, yeah. That was like such a fun moment for me after the race. You know, like my goal was like top like 20 and then I got 14th and it was just like, it was just like, ugh, like a relief, you know, like not, I did what I wanted to do and I had fun while doing it. So it was just, that was just like the best race. Maureen, I know we already touched on this a little bit, kind of talking about your off-season training right now but I know before the show we were talking a little bit even more about it too just about you know especially in West Virginia it's like you know the humidity you got to get up super early to go get the runs in and even then it can be miserable sometimes you know it's just kind of just that grind like what you know especially during a time where you have months where you know you're just trying to build your base there's no races or anything Mm -hmm. like that you know, how do you just keep yourself motivated to do that even, you know, even in the muggy weather and even without a race really in sight? Yeah, I would say that's something I do struggle with. I think everybody struggles with it a little bit. Um, Definitely comes in waves. Sometimes I like don't, I just want to go run. And then sometimes I'm like, I do not want to run right now. But I think running with your team really helps, you know, like, I have a lot of girls on my team that I can run with. And you know, that helps whenever there's a group of people doing it with you, you know, you're not just doing it by yourself. And also my twin will like be getting up for early morning swim practice. And I'm like, okay, she's getting up to go swim for like two hours and you're, you can, you're going to be running for like half of that. So you can do it too. I was going to say, I didn't know you had a twin. I do. I didn't know that either. (laughs) Yeah. She's a swimmer and she's committed to swim at Yale. So. Wow. Right. Wow. Right. That's impressive. Yeah. Just the yeah. high level we'll athletics in the family. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Irene, I know you kind of touched on this freshman memory that you have and you finished third in that state championships. And then since sophomore year, junior year, you've won it. And, you know, you've just been doing so many amazing things in West Virginia. Do you almost feel like you have added pressure to kind of defend, like going into the season, just defending this title for the third time? Do you feel like you have a huge target on your back? Um, I would say, yeah, it's like a little bit of pressure. And honestly, mostly from myself, I would say, you know, like not really from anybody specific. I guess I just do feel, I do feel a little bit of pressure just to go out because I know I want to um, win the state meet this year. So I would say like, a little bit, but I don't, I don't really focus on like the races in the long term um, yet. Like right now I'm still kind of just focusing on those like early races, but I mean, I think pressure is also a good thing though, cause it'll motivate you, you know, throughout the season. So. Great stuff. Irene. we have one final question. Um, is country roads played out? What are your feelings? 
Um, I think it depends. You know, sometimes when like when I'm on a WVU football game and they play Country Roads, like I'm gonna be a sucker for it. Like yeah. it's good, but not every time. You know, I think it is played a lot. <laughs> <All right. laughs> but, Sounds good. All right, oh, Irene, thank you so much for for taking the time to, to talk with us on the show, and we'll be looking forward to your season coming up. Uh, best of luck. Okay. Thank you for having me. All right, take care. All right, great stuff there from Irene Riggs of West Virginia. Let's move on to the World Championships just ended in Eugene, Oregon. We talked about it last week. We're going to go into our personally our favorite moment from those 10 days. Olivia, I'm going to start with you. Well, I know you just said moment. Can I be like Irene yes. and have moments? Yes. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Cool. So I have three on the dock. I think we all can somewhat agree with this. Sydney McLaughlin, okay. 50.68 world record in the 400 meter hurdles and like splitting 47 point in the four by four. I was completely speechless because I'm thinking how many people are out there just struggling to run 50 point in a 400 meters and this girl did it over 10 hurdles. So Sydney is literally the goat and I'm just like still in awe of her performance. The other one I have down is Sharika Jackson running the number two all time in the world in the 200 meters, 21.45. I can't even like wrap my head around those numbers. Like 21.4 is moving, y'all. <laughs> like she was out and I'm just so proud of her. And the last one I'm super excited for, for Toby Amusan's world record in the 100 meter hurdles representing Nigeria. I don't think we saw this coming. 12-12 uh, in the semis, and she even dipped under it in the finals, but it was wind-aided with that 12, I think it was 08 or 12-06 that she did it. That, that girl was gone. So two world records were kind of just like my moments of just like this is amazing like this is fantastic and you know Sharika Jackson kind of doing her thing in the 200 meters so those are my biggest moments from the world championships I think this is pretty much already accepted but Sydney McLaughlin has just like shed her former nickname Sid the Kid at this point right <laughs> yeah she did so yes. is she currently Absolutely. Queen Sid I mean I she like that kind of feels like it we She's should so start that She's mm -hmm. she's she's regal. Like you see her run, you see her speak. She's just like a like quintessential queen of track and field right now. That's so we kind went of from what... Sid the kid yeah. to Sid the queen. I like that. We should start that. Yes. yes. All right. There there you have it. Um, <laughs> Ashley, what were your moments here? So besides obviously seeing the queen out there with that jaw dropping performance, <laughs> you got a king on your list. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So first, I want to mention probably one of the most heartwarming moments I thought was seeing Kara Winger in the women's javelin representing the U.S. She's 36 years old. In her last ever competition before retirement, she went from fifth to silver medal position on her final throw. I mean, that's just like, you know, that's a scripted moment right there. So I think that was awesome for her. And, you know, she had a long career that included four trips to the Olympics and nine U.S. titles. So she finally gets that silver world medal there. And then to cap off the meet, after we saw Cindy McLaughlin anchor the 4 by 4 team for the U.S., we see Mondo Duplantis. He set the world record, well, rebroke it again, 6.21, which was just an electrifying way to end the meet. I mean, they had... That huge crowd over there by the pole vault pit. I mean, he went. He was doing backflips. I mean, it was crazy. Like it was just a, a really cool way to end, you know, a meet that people are kind of calling as one of the best world championship yeah. meets ever. So Mondo really is just 
absolutely like bonkers. I mean, Chris Nielsen yeah. is second, five point nine four. Like Mondo was was at six, that's point two seven point two seven meters like higher than the next closest guy at the world championships. Like, how insane is that? It just it's it's, it, it's your comp your you can't comprehend it honestly. Crazy. Well. That that was a, a great pick too. Um, I'm gonna go with the Noah Lyles versus Arian Knighton show. Kenny Benark is in there too, but I think everything kind of led up to that final in the 200 on on July 21st, and it didn't disappoint. Um, American top three, and then you had Joseph Fonbelay was fourth. I, I thought like watching this, I thought Noah ran differently than he had run in in the prelims and and even at the U.S. trials, like where he was a second half runner. It felt like in the first half of that final, he just, he tore, tore open the, uh, the, the lead and basically made Arian and Kenny have to work to get back to him. And they couldn't because he was just so electric. I mean, Noah was much different than he was even last year at the Olympics. I mean, he's definitely just come back in full force, 19-3-1 for the win. But Arian getting his first medal at 18 is outstanding as well. I I love uh, to see what he can do in the future. Any thoughts on on those two, Olivia or, or Ashley? It was just electrifying, like you said, and even the his his celebration. He just like ripped his jersey. Right. I was like, wait, did he just rip his his jersey? And he did. It was just that was pure emotion for him. And Corey, you touched on it. Like we're normally seeing Noah with this second half race, and he had a full race this time. He took advantage of that curve, and that guy was gone. Like. Right. Just watching it over and over again was just oh man! Otto, I wish I was I wish I was there. Otto said in the semifinals that he thought Aaron was the best curve runner he's ever seen. I feel like Noah was like, uh, "Excuse me," yeah. and probably came back and was like, "I'll I'll just show you something." He seems like the type of dude who would do that. Um, but yeah. the the other non-American result that I wanted to touch on is uh, Jakob Ingebrigtsen after losing the 1500 to a, a really great story, by the way, in, in that 15 where the the, the British runner won on the track where his dad analysis for Oregon. That was crazy. Um, I think it was Whitman, something Whitman. Yep. Uh, but Ingebrigtsen comes back in the 5K, wins it in 13.09 to four, you know, proving just his medal uh, and that he's the best runner in the world. Uh, Louis Grijalva, who is a, a 2017 graduate of Armajo High School in California, uh, was fourth place for Guatemala. He was 12th at the Olympics last year in the 5K, ran nearly identical times, but he got you know fourth place finish and a top eight result for him. That's a huge accomplishment uh, on his career. So really great moments from Worlds. Uh, we're going to move on to our next segment, which is going to stick with cross country, our way to early cross country predictions <laughs> first up we're going to go to the individual predictions we're going to start uh with our top three boys who we think could win a national title i started with olivia last time i'll go to ashley this time who do you think will be the the boys front runners this year so when i was looking at this list or preparing for the segment i was looking i was like you know who are some of these dark horses that are going to come in potentially that are coming off of really, really strong outdoor seasons that I think could then potentially use that momentum going into cross this fall. So I don't want, I want to first mention, I think we got to look at Aaron Salmon from Newberry Park. I mean, Newberry Park, you got Lex and Leo Young there, but then Aaron you have here, he's going to be your number three. He's a senior. He had a very successful track season highlighted by a 148.91 in the 800. He was U.S. number six in the 1600. Um, he was U.S. number two in the three mile for cross country last year, 1342. 
and he's one of the top returners for cross country this year, only behind his own teammates, Lex and Leo. So I think that, you know, he will help propel, obviously, Newberry Park to great heights in the team title race, and I think he's a top contender to watch. And then I want to move on to the other side of the, the country here in New Jersey. We got Jimmy Wushuzen from Union Catholic that I think is someone to look out for. He's going to be a junior. He showed huge improvement over the past year from cross country to outdoor track. He was 1433 in the 5K last season, and he'll look to lead Union Catholic to another top finish as a team in our mile split 50 list. And he had a strong track season highlighted by U.S. number 11, two mile and 856.41 at New Balance Outdoors. So that was a great way to end the season for him. So he is the ninth fastest returner for the 5K this year. So I think he could be someone that could sneak up in there and challenge some of those top greats, like I mentioned, Aaron, Lex, and Leo. And then lastly, I think this is someone that maybe people weren't thinking about maybe for cross country, but he certainly had a really good track season. Rocky Hansen. Yeah, Rocky from Christ School in North Carolina. He is a senior. I mean, based on his track season alone, I mean, he went sub four in the mile. And if you look at his 5K PR from last year, it's, I mean, it's nothing like, you know, that pops out at you like, oh my goodness, like that, you know, translates to what he did in the, the mile this outdoor season. He has a PR of 1521.8. However, he went sub four in the mile, like I said, US number two, two mile, 846 at New Balance. So I think you're going to see him, you know, go out there for cross country this season and put down a really impressive 5k time uh interesting picks there olivia and i both have wildly different ones uh olivia i'll go to you <laughs> next awesome well i must say with eric with newberry park period can we just see one two three potentially i like yeah. aaron um i feel like the with lex and leo let's start there leo is finished second at States and then second at Grumman running lane behind Colin Salmon, clocked a 14.05.07 for 5K, second fastest all time in cross country history. His brother right behind him, third at States and third at Garmin running lane behind Colin and his brother, 14.05.49, third fastest all time in cross country history. But also Aaron, I, I love how Ashley touched on him too. I really feel like potentially it could be like a flip of a coin for these three boys, especially from Newberry Park. And I think it's so crazy even Think about that because we were all, you know, as they should be. Newberry Park was a, in a lot of conversation last year. They did some historic things at Garmin Running Lane in Huntsville. To now, all of a sudden, we have these three boys returning. So I'm excited to see what they do because I think we could see something special again from Newberry Park for another year to come. Another athlete that I think we need to have in this conversation is Tyron Gorzy from Cater out in Oregon. He ran Oregon's fastest 5K in history last year with a 14-29-30 in early October. He also won the 5A title, finished sixth at East Bay Cross Country Championships, and he's the fat, second fastest returner from East Bay. And so I think Tyron Gorzy could potentially be one of those athletes that kind of breaks up Newberry Park. But I think it's going to be Newberry Park and Tyron Gorzy. Those are my early picks as your top three national titles for the boys. But, Corey, yeah. I know we've had complete opposites here. But what are your thoughts, too? Very good picks. I'm actually identical to you. I will say uh, I had Leo over Lex. But there's a one note, programming note, about Newberry Park is when you look at all of their races from last year, that, that group of four over all of those, all of those competitions ran – 
in a pack, kind of like Mighty Ducked it. And then at the very mm-hmm. end with 100 meters to go, it's like whatever, you know, all, all, all free-for-all basically, whatever you have left. And it usually was Colin who who won some of those races. But um, if they do run like that again, I could foresee maybe Aaron winning a national title or Leo or Lex. Um, I have Leo and Lex at one and two. And then I do also have t- Tyrone Gorzy at three. Um you know, he didn't run at running lane, but he ran 14, 29, 30. I think that's the fastest non-running lane time coming back from, from this year. He was sixth at East Bay and was in contention for a large stretch of that race with the leaders. Um, he's got he's got some good creds and he's going to World U20s to run the five in the five K. Um, but he also finished well in the three K at USA's. Um my only fear is like he's extending his outdoor season out a, a little far. So how will that impact yeah. him over cross country? It, you, you'll get a later start possibly. And um, I don't think it's going to impact him that much because he's running the 5K at Worlds. But that's just one thing to keep a note of. Uh, Cole Matisson is my other suggestion here from Carmoy. He really had a great finish to his, his season last year. Finished, I believe, fifth at running lane. Uh, and is and a guy to watch. He is a gamer. He's a pure gamer at Indiana. I could definitely see him doing some things. All right, top three national title girl candidates individually. I'll start with Olivia first. All right, number my top three, and I think, Corey, I remember this race like it was yesterday. I remember calling uh, the running lane championships, and Lily Critch really came out and gave us a show here from Bishop Chartered in Indiana. She had an outstanding finish where she finished second to Natalie Cook with the 16-22-81 for 5K. She's the Indiana State Champion as well. And we've just seen progression from this young talent here. And she's been kind of under the radar this outdoor season. I believe just based off her mile split profile, she's ran one time. So kind of interested to see how this cross-country season turns out. But if it's anything for where she left off from cross-country, from Garmin running lane, I think we can see something special from Lily Cridge. Another athlete I have down is Carrie Beloga. And, Corey, you kind of mentioned it with Tyrone Gorsey. She is extending her season as well. She's going to be running at the World U-20 Championships. And she's representing Cornwall High School from New York. She clocked a 16.52 at the Six Flags Wild Safari Invitational. That was an exciting race. She said she ran through the amusement parks there. Um, But she also won the New York Federation Championships. And she was fourth at East Bay, where she earned a speed rating of 156. Just kind of looking at the championships from East Bay, she's your top returner from this meet and can really be someone to really keep our eyes out for. She has the strength. She's been doing so well um, in the steeplechase as well this outdoor season. And again, she will have a longer season just competing at Worlds. So it's going to be interesting to see what she does there. But last but not least, this young talent that we saw last year, Ellie Shea, representing Emerging Elite from Massachusetts. She ran three cross-country races last season, earned a 154 speed rating at the Boston Mayor's Cup Championships. At that race, she ran the third fastest girls time ever clocked at the Franklin Field behind Sydney Mascarelli and Shalene Flanagan. And then during the indoor season, she really set the tone. I remember Corey and I were there front row and center at the New Balance National Indoors where she ran the sophomore indoor indoor national record for two miles and literally the next day ran the sixth fastest all time in the 5K. So Ellie Shea, do not underestimate that young talent. She's going to be moving up as a junior this season. So we still got two more years with her. But I think Ellie Shea is a national champion caliber athlete just based off what she even did as a sophomore so those are my top three picks Corey. good picks uh ashley what about you so i kind of took the same approach like i did with the guys and was kind of looking to see 
which three girls had some pretty impressive track seasons that could then carry over to cross country. And I want to first start off with Bethany McCulloch of Air Academy in Colorado. So she's going to be a rising junior. And I think she's one that's had one of the most impressive outdoor seasons among some of the top cross-country returners. She had some season PRs during outdoor. She ran 442 for the 1600, US number 12. She almost dipped under 10 minutes for the two-mile as well. And so she returns as the fifth-fastest 5K runner for cross-country this year. She finished 10th at running lane last year. And so I think she's someone that will come in looking to, you know, finish faster, you know, finish in the top, like, I mean, she finished 10th last year at running lane, so she'll probably want to crack that top 10 even more. And I think she's someone that maybe people won't even see coming when it comes to these national meets. And then moving on from that, I think we should also look at Arian Olson from Michigan out of Holland, West Ottawa. She'll be a senior and she's another one that I think had a really good track season full of personal best. 214 in the 800, 444, 52 in the 16, and then 1015 in the two mile. That's a lot of momentum for her now, especially with those end of season PRs still fresh on her mind. And so I think, again, just like we, like I said with Bethany McCulloch, I think she's someone that'll have that momentum going forward. And then lastly, so this is someone that has been everyone's, it's been the talk, star freshman. Sadie Engelhart, she'll be a sophomore this year. Now, I will say, she raced a, a ton during outdoor. She, I, I, I can't, there's too many races to count that she did, especially in the 1600. <laughs> so I would say that if she is able to enter cross country with fresh enough legs, you know, she took some time, hopefully she took some time off over the summer and has been, you know, trying to gradually build that, that base back ahead of cross country. So I think if she's able to get back into that rhythm and is healthy, I think she's obviously got to be someone that's going to be one of those top contenders for the national title. Yeah, I agree too. I mean, yeah, it was a long outdoor season. Um, if, if the plan is to be there in December, you know, maybe she gets a later start to the season. She did run really fast times early in cross country last year. And then was, you know, as you said, uh, still an All-American at East Bay. Uh, but, I mean, for her, she's got high expectations. I will say, um, at, people said Abby Steiner, Steiner ran a lot um, this year. And she ended up getting two golds at, at Worlds in the, in the relays and doing well in the 200. So, you know, you can... Uh, it's. It's not unheard of. So Sadie Englehart um, definitely is in my list too. Kate Peters as is top of mind for me from Lake Oswego. I, there's just something about her. She just looks like the kind of athlete that competes for a national title. She has that swagger about her, um, and she's you know run really good races over her career. Um, she clocked a 9.25 and 3K at the Oregon State Championships, won that race, and she won NSAF Outdoors, a national title in the 3K this year. She was sixth at East Bay last year, you know, was with the leaders for a long stretch. Um, I think a year wiser, you know, her last year, she's, she's she's a big recruit. I think Kate Peters might be there. And then the last two, I'll take a sleeper. One, Irene Riggs, by the way. We should put Irene Riggs up there, top five potential. Just talk to her. But two, uh, Isabel Conda Frankenberg of, of Cedar Park really had a great finish to her outdoor campaign and, and became, she was for me a little, she was a different runner than she was in cross country that, than what she was in track. She was third at, at the Texas state meet in cross country. But I think by the time she finished her track season, she was nearly unbeatable. Um, she was fantastic. And I think, you know, by cross country this fall, she could be sort of, 
I don't know. I don't want to put like high expectations on her, but she kind of could be sort of the next Natalie Cook ish in the state. That is to say, leading the state, being the best runner from Texas. That's what I mean when I say that. So Isabel Conda de Frankenberg is is in my head uh, from Cedar Park. All right, let's move to the the team uh, uh, conversation. Uh, when we're, let's go to the boys' national team title hopes. Who are a couple teams that you think will have a shot to to compete for that that elusive title, uh, Olivia? Newberry Park. I'm just gonna, you know, <laughs> stick that one out there. Newberry easy. Park. I really easy. feel like easy. I feel like that's an easy pick, and it's just I feel like they're just gonna continue what they did. Like just looking at the momentum that they build up from the 2022 season, looking at their cross country season and beyond, just what they did with Colin Salmon and even the young twins and Aaron. Like they're also they're returning the young twins. We should say that returning Aaron Salmon. Hector Martinez and Deb Doshi, who ran at running lane, they're all coming back. So right. it's just, you know, continuously building that team up. But another team I want to kind of put in this mix here is Oregon's Jesuits. And I feel like they have a lot of top returners, even from the team that we saw at running lane. You have Jacob Newnow, who finished in the top 20th. You have Gus Clevenger um, and a handful of other names that just are returning from that championships that finished in the top 200. It's just eye-opening. Like, okay, we have this same team, obviously, with just with seasons, we're expecting them to progress and get stronger and faster. I'm going to put Jesuit in here. Oregon's Jesuit, I feel like it's going to be a top uh, team. New Orleans, New Orleans. You're talking okay, about yeah. New Orleans. So, yeah. yeah, so I feel like they're just going to be a very strong contender for these national titles that will be coming out later this, this season. So those are my two picks there. Ashley? Actually, I think you had a couple of Oregon Jesuit mixed in with New Orleans Jesuits because <laughs> Jack DeRoches <laughs> is from New Orleans and Jacob Nanau is from Oregon. But they're actually both of those teams are they're both good. top five caliber. So just FYI mm -hmm. on that. Um, all right, Ashley. Well, besides the obvious Newberry Park picks, I think that's I mean, they're just so dominant that I think there's they're obviously the. The front runners here. I think we should look out for Carroll High School from Texas. They have, so they return their top six, which whenever you can return basically your whole entire squad. And I mean, they were one of our top mile split 50 teams during our rankings last year. That's always something that you're really going to rely on some of that veteran, you know, expertise, um, you know, among their, their one through five split. It's a very impressive 28 second split i mean that's just in crazy that's crazy to have all those guys right there in you know close proximity to each other and can be really helpful in those team title races they won the 6a state title in texas last year they finished 21st at running lane last year but i think they could be a team to look out for this year and then i think the next best team in california great oak Maybe they can go up there and challenge Newberry Park. They, um, I don't know. I mean, that, <laughs> that rivalry there, I know it's so deep. I mean, they finished seventh at running lane last year. However, they have their top returner. They'll be led by Ramsey's Cortez. He has a 1505 5K best from last year. Now the question is, how close will they get to challenging Newberry Park? I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I guess time yeah. will tell. But it, yeah, I mean, Great Oak, obviously, Doug Souls left the program. Tammy John came in, and they were very good last year. So there's not much of a drop-off there. Um, I, it's an interesting. With, with Newberry, Olivia, I agree with you. Obviously, when you go one, two, three in any meet, it doesn't. 
I mean, it matters what your fourth and fifth do, but you know, that's mm-hmm. what six points right there. Like it's hard to beat a team that gets the first six points on the board. Um, so they're, they're pretty hard to beat, but Cheyenne mountain, I think is the next closest team. They return a lot of guys and they are very, very talented. They, they, they train at elevation. They compete at a high level in, in one of the best States for cross country. Um, they were right there at running lane. I think Cheyenne mountain, uh, certainly is, is for obvious reasons, probably a, a clear number two for me. Um, New Orleans Jesuit, I would also agree there with with that young squad. None of them are seniors. Actually, I think there's one, two seniors. But when you look at that talent, Louisiana has produced a lot of great cross country teams, and this is finally one of them that's like just building, 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 and building. The test mm-hmm. for them will be wherever they go. That isn't a hot or fast hot climber or a fast course. They can they compete in a Portland in in cold weather or or wherever you know they go um and can they still compete with a team like newberry when the conditions are a little bit in favor of somebody else so that that's my only question for them but i think they'll they'll have plenty of chances to to answer that all right on the girls side uh let's go to your title uh hopes here uh ashley let's start with you first i think one that could be one team that i think really stands out to me at least is arapaho from colorado they will be led by Emily LaMontagne. She was their top runner returning. She ran 16.53 for 5K last season. As a team, they finished third at running lane last season, which is really impressive. And so I think, especially with Emily here leading the way, I think that they are a team that will be pretty dangerous come fall. And I also think we should look at Elmhurst in Illinois. They have a very impressive 35-second split among their top five runners. They have their top four returners, Catherine Klimek, Bria Bennis, Michaela Quinn, Brooke Berger, they're all under 18 minutes for a 5K, and so that's a pretty impressive top four there. They are fourth last year at running lane, so again, I think these two teams will be two to watch. Olivia? I have a team that I feel like is going to be battling Arapaho, and Corey can remember it too. I feel like Niwat and Arapaho were just going back and forth, so let's start with Niwat. Uh, they're graduating. Well, Ella Klingbell and Stella Veith both graduated, um, and they had both standout cross-country seasons. However, they were also undefeated, grabbed the victory at Reading Lane, but they are returning a full squad, y'all, from Madison Schultz to Bella Nelson. Mia Prock is part of that team as well. And they all finished within the top 110 at running lane. And so to even think about that team, as Ashley mentioned before, like when you can return your top, essentially your whole team back, this team looks strong on paper. So Niwad is one of my teams that I selected that can go for that national title. But another team from California, Buchanan, on paper from last year's running lane championships, again, looks like a very strong team. Their top five runners including Sydney Surigan, Grace Hutchinson, and, you know, they've had finished in the top 75 um, at running lane in their your California state champions. So, again, we have a returning state champions, returning national champions coming back here with a, essentially a full squad. It's going to be an interesting, interesting look on the girls' side, I believe, just looking ahead at this cross-country season. But, Corey, for you, who are your top teams that you have down? Can't argue with Niwat. I think they – are definitely there on paper and i believe they have actually a new york transfer coming their way too apparently from from what we've um learned so niwat's going to be very strong saratoga springs uh of new york um they returned pretty much everybody outside of ella curto they got emily bush alicia hart mckinley wheeler sheridan wheeler 
consistently they're the one of the best teams in New York um, year to year, along with Fayetteville Manlius. But I think Saratoga Springs um, will have the benefit of those seventh and eighth graders too, working up the ranks. They have a, a great development pipeline in that New York area, especially there. So I think they're there. Um, they could be the best team in the country again. Um, but the only drawback is we never see them at any race other than New York. So it's like you base them based on what they're doing in New York. And, and a, lot, a lot of them are small races. So that was the challenge last year. I remember that. Um, and then the other one is Flower Mound. Four by mile uh, national record holders, I believe, from indoor uh, was Flower Mound. They, only, they get re- Natalie Cook graduates, but they have, I think, the three other girls returning. And they're strong. They're really, really strong. I think that team is going to be a powerhouse this year in Texas. Um, my question with them, as it was with New Orleans Jesuit, is once they get outside the state, how will they compete at you know different courses, different conditions? Texas teams don't do well elsewhere, <laughs> typically. Uh, but I, they are really, really strong. If you build a team strong enough that they can run through anything, then then you got some winners there. So I think Flyer Mountain's getting to that point. All right, let's finally get to the AU Junior Olympics, which is you know what we're all getting to uh, on, starting on Saturday. And we're going to go to our first segment here, previewing some of the action at AU. We're going to start first with the jumps uh, on the boys' side. Long, triple, and high jumps. Got some great athletes coming into the, the competition. Um, Olivia, I'll start with you first. Who are the standouts in the jumps across the age categories and what? All right, I'm kicking it off for the long jump of 14-year-old Kendrick Jones Jr. of Temple, Texas. In his regional meet, he jumped 23 feet, one and three quarters of an inch. And just to put it in perspective, the national record for this age group is 22 feet and five inches, which was set by Jamari Ward in 2012. So I can potentially see this potentially going down. I feel like if he puts everything together in this jump, I think we can see something special for him. Looking at the triple jump, I'm kicking it off to someone from Mobile, Alabama, Josh Graham in the 17-18 age group. He set a personal best this season with a 47-5 leap in the beginning of March. He's also jumped 46-11 and a quarter at the state meet, which he finished second with that jump. So he qualified for nationals with a 46-11. I'm sure the senior would like to hit over 47 feet one more time before wrapping it up and earning his first AAU title. So look out for Josh Graham there. And then kicking it off for the high jump, I have someone from Pennsylvania, the 11-year-old Aaron Pachanski. The AAU record was set by Dylan Faulkner in 2015 with a 5 feet, 2.5 clearance. And Aaron goes in with a 5-foot clearance. So just 2.5 inches there. And we can potentially see that high jump record be in jeopardy. So those are my three picks across the board for these boys' jumps. Ashley, what do you foresee? I'm going to start like Olivia did with the youngsters here. So in the eight-year-old long jump, we got Kingston Hamilton from Hampton, Virginia. The national AAU record is set at 14-9 and three quarters, which has been held for over a decade by Joseph Mosby. And Hamilton enters with a 14 feet six inch jump seed mark. So He's got that national AAU record within reach. And so I think in his, you know, junior Olympic debut here with all the excitement and energy of the event that he could potentially go after that record. Next in the 15 to 16 year old triple jump, I think Xavier Drumgool of Round Rock, Texas will be someone to watch for as well. He finished sixth at the Texas 6A championships in May with a PR 
of 46 11 and a half that was actually set at the his regional meet this outdoor season he finished third overall in this event last year and so i think he'll be looking for a little bit of redemption going forward looking for the title win this year and then lastly back to the youngsters the nine-year-old high jump I think we could see a potential duel going down between Dash Harrison from Charlotte, North Carolina, and Cyan Patel from North Wales, Pennsylvania. Both the youngsters enter with um, seed marks of 4-3, and so they're each just a couple of inches off the national record of 4-5 and 3 quarters that has stood since 2011. So I think it could be an exciting competition between the two to see who comes out with a win and maybe a record. Good stuff. Uh, those are the jumps we will be looking forward to. We're going to move on to the girls' sprints now. We you know, previewed this last week or we prefaced it a little bit. Um, what are some of the, the game timers here? Who are the, the top athletes heading into the girls' sprints? Um, Olivia, I'll start with you again. So I feel like this is a, a wonderful opportunity at this year's AAU to see the up-and-coming stars. Um, as we mentioned, there are a handful of athletes that are going off to college now. I'm thinking of like Kayla Jackson. You also have a couple of athletes that are competing at World U20s. So they will not be at the AAU Junior Olympics. So here's an opportunity for the doors to be completely open for these athletes to put their names out there. And one of those athletes I think that can do that is Brianna Selby of Indian River out in Virginia. And she's going to be in the 15, 16 age group. And I've been keeping my eyes out on her for some time now, just looking at what she did during the indoor season. She won states in the 55 and the 300 before finishing second at the Adidas Indoor Nationals in the 60. During the outdoor season, she also ran in 1129, but there was no win. So we don't know if that was when dated or not, but she ran that at the District 4 meet back in May. And as a sophomore, she won the state title in the 100 meters and the 200 meters while finishing second at the New Miles National Outdoor. So I can see her dropping something special in this 100 meters. This is the only event that she's going to be competing in individually. And the last time that she competed at AUJOs was back in 2019, where she finished fourth in the 100 and third in the 200. So I can see her getting that gold medal when it comes to the 100 meters, but just even looking at the 200 meters now in that 17, 18 age group on the girls' side, I think we have a contention of four athletes that could really go potentially one, two, three, and could potentially get a gold medal here. I'm thinking about Lauren Lewis from Prosper out in Texas. She, What's interesting is she's U.S. number three in the 400 meters where she ran a 52-54. And Corey, I remember calling that race at the UIL state championships. She has the fastest time in the 200 meters with a 23-15, which she ran at the district championships. Tyara Kelly, also from Plano, East Texas, she is your UIL state champion in the 100 meters, and she ran an 11-4-0. She also ran a 23-06 at that state meet. But one of our favorite athletes from um, North Carolina is Jamisa Ford from Jack Britt, and she grabbed victories in the 100, 200, and 400 meters at the Adidas Outdoor Nationals. This is essentially her home track. She's going to have the home crowd advantage, and she clocked a 23.57, um, which was her best a month ago on this track. So I know Ashley and I had a chance to really talk to her. She's looking forward to a really great opportunity here at the AU Junior Olympics, and she's going to have some great competition to do that. And so Lauren Le- Lu- Lauren Lewis Tyria Kelly and Jamisa Ford, I feel like could really give us a great show in this 200 meters. Good stuff. Ashley? I think those are great picks, Olivia. And kind of like what you said, like, I feel like this is going to be such 
a big event for people to have their breakout moments. Like you said, like you have people off at World U20s and such. And so I think it'll be a time for some of those stars that maybe ha- haven't had that national spotlight moment yet to finally get that moment. And so per- particularly for me, I think when you look at the 15 to 16 girls division 200, I think that's where you see a trio of athletes who could have those breakout moments. You're going to have Anaya Brown from St. Louis Blues, Skylar Franklin competing for House of Elite in Florida, and Danielle Dunning from Tennessee. All these ladies are coming off of really, really very recent PR performances in the 200, with Brown leading the way, coming off of a, you know, just over a week ago, she ran at AAU club championships, a 23-37 for the 200. That's a club national record right there. And so she's going to come in with that momentum. She had a successful outdoor season in the sprints with uh, 5A state titles in Missouri and the 100 and the 200. Third in the 200 last year at JOs and second in the 100. So I think she's someone that's really going to make a name for herself. But she'll be challenged by Skylar Franklin. She has a 23-69 PR, which she also ran at AAU Club Nationals just about a week and a half and a, a week and a half ago, and she's returned to Greensboro where she was the 200 meter national elite champion at Adidas Outdoor Nationals. And lastly, in that trio there that I mentioned, you have Danielle Dunning. She enters with a 23.98 race that she just ran at the AAU Region Six meet. She's just a freshman, and she also won a title like Franklin at Adidas, and where she ran, she won the freshman 200 race there. And so I think that can make for a really interesting matchup between those three, and it could really come down to the line. And it's also I think it's interesting to note so Brown and Dunning will also go toe to toe in the 15 to 16 100 so i think those are three athletes there that we should be watching sub 24 uh watch in the girls 200 will be interesting mm-hmm. i think they're at the the higher levels i i really like the brianna selby pick olivia 15 16 i think she is a future star we got a couple of them out of chesapeake 11 4 8 is no joke for a 15 or 16 year old girl Especially when you consider, I think she could get a little bit better. Um, so I'm, I, I definitely think I agree there. Layla Green, a 14 year old 400 uh, girl, comes in the top seed with a 55.86. The AU national records, I think 53.9 or something like that. So, I mean, that's a lot of time to make up, I think, on the, the national record watch. But Layla Green comes in as a top seed. Always kind of good to watch there. All right, let's move on to fun events here the distance events i think we have a very distance oriented show today uh girls or boys distance runners let's break down the potential top performer performers at au and and ashley i'll start with you first so i know i mentioned this athlete last week a little bit on the show but it's just she i think she's someone that's worth mentioning again it's Paige shepherd from trenton new jersey she's going to be competing in the 13 year old age group in the 800 and the 1500 I think it's still pretty remarkable that so back in May she ran 5:13:17 for a PR in the mile. A month later at Brooks 
PR in the junior race. She ran 452 in the 1600. I mean, that's just insane to see like a 20 second improvement within the span of a month, um, you know, at that distance. And so I think that's pretty mind boggling. And I think she's maybe starting to realize, you know, as a 13 year old, just how fast she really is. And so I think she could go out there and challenge the national record for the 13 year olds 436.79, which has been held by Deja Rogers and set in 2012. She also has a PR of 212.05 in the 800, which she used to win New Balance in June. So I think she's going to come to Junior Olympics ready to make a name for herself. Second, I think we should look at Sophia Hamdani Hamdani of Houston, Texas in the 14-year-old's 3K. I think we should put in this event, we should have a national record watch. She enters with a 10.02.47 seed time. From which she ran at Region 17 qualifying meet. That is just 0.07 off of London Colbrus age group national record. So I think she's someone that we should look forward to to potentially also break a national record. Very cool. Historically, Trenton, New Jersey, now has a couple of uh, Olympic gold medals. Uh, a thing hails mm-hmm. from New Jersey. Uh-huh. Uh, Jay hails from New Jersey. New Jersey, I don't know. I think that's, you know... Precedent, like, there have been young athletes from the state, particularly in that area, that have risen on and become, like, great, great athletes. It's not, you know, I I think you could potentially see the pathway for Paige Shepard to to get there at some point, too. Obviously, she's got a a lot of the years left and and a lot to go, but um, good signs there. Olivia. You got our favorite guy I think you're going to start off with. Dang, I was about to say the favorite guy here at Milesplit, Victor Jaime Solario. You guys, we have seen this guy hit the track a handful of times. And it's, we, I think we need to talk about his age. 11 years old. He will be in the 800, 1500, and the 3K. This is not surprising. We see him a handful of times in all these distance races. But what I also think is remarkable is he's broken the 9-year-old the 10-year-old record when it comes to the 1,500 meters. Can he add another one to his name? And he's clocked a 4.46.36 in the 1,500 meters. The national record, we talked about Brandon Miller. He was at the the Senior World Championships. He clocked a 4.37.24. That's the record back in 2013. So that is definitely under national record watch here for Victor Jaime Solario. And just looking at the, the 3K as well, 950 Point eighteen. That's the time he's seated with. 952.22 is the national record, which was set back in 2003. So can we see Victor Ime Solario break two national records at the AU Junior Olympics in Greensboro, North Carolina? That's the big question. Another athlete I want us to keep our eyes out for, we have seen her last year, is Addison Moore of Woodford County in middle school, the 14-year-old. She ran a 501.12 in the mile, which is U.S. number one in that event for her age group. And this year, she finished 11th overall, you guys, at the Kentucky State Cross Country Championship. So she just kind of ran up in there against all the high school kids and finished 11th overall which is huge in 2021 she won the 3k and the 1500 meters at aau and she finished second in the 800 meters so we're seeing this young talent um in middle school really just rise to the occasion so i'm excited to see what addison moore does here victory for victor v is for victory and victor (laughs) victor hymas uh all right i got a bunch too shyle johnson uh she's a a very uh lovely athlete from from florida she's got two straight florida state 800 meter titles to her name and she's a multiple time au champion at 800 i want to see her 
potentially go after her personal best, maybe go under 208 here. I think it's going to be tough. Ashley knows Lauren Tolbert is going to be in that race, too, going for a North Carolina State record. It's not going to be easy, so I think that's going to be a good race. Uh, Isabella Edwards, a big fan of Isabella and and their team. Um, they go to AAU over the last several years. I've seen them every single year. She's got a big family, and got some of her young brothers are in the race walk. They're they're fun to talk to every year. Isabella is a legitimate like high level athlete. Seventeen, eighteen. She's going to be in the the three three kid girls. 1040 seed time but i think she can realistically get down to maybe 1020 or 1040 because she's in that xc based training um and i think she's she's got it there alejandro chavez of puerto rico i mean it should be said that the au often gets some some athletes from puerto rico to compete at the games um it's always a good experience for them and alejandro is is the top seed in the boys 17 18 division with the 402 and the 1500 so getting him under sub four would be a really a great um uh, performance there. Caleb Bost is his next closest competitor at 403. And then finally, in in the boys 800, I think we could really see Saxon Brown cut down his overall personal best. He ran a 152 recently. Uh, I think he's aiming for a 150 or a 151. He's going to go up against uh, Tamada Matsada, who's gone 153. He's from Maryland. And uh, there's a bunch of guys who could really run in that like 153, 152 wheelhouse. So really pulling for Saxon Brown in his last race. Um, all right, next up is uh, our net, our, our latest Pickums installment, and it's and it's a very, <laughs> very good one. Uh, yes. Last week we. <laughs> Uh, revealed that we will be in Greensboro. Ashley is going to get up at 5 a.m. every morning and run. Well, I don't know. Probably every morning. Oh, yeah. Every morning. Every morning. Okay. Grind never stops. Dang. Okay. 5 a.m. every morning, <laughs> Ashley will be running somewhere in Greensboro. Corey uh, says he, you know, me, why am I in the third person? I don't know. But Orange Theory Fitness, 5 a.m. classes, three times, maybe four or maybe less, uh, but I'm gonna go uh, at least a handful of times. <laughs> and then, and then, see, I don't know what Olivia is doing. She did not reveal her details on what she will be doing in the mornings. But you know, I'm assuming at some point she will be eating popcorn in the stands, just watching track. Yeah. Or if there's anything else, what what will you be doing over over the the week? Any anything you want to add here? I. <laughs> I plan on kind of doing both. I want to actually run with Ashley. I don't think I'll be able to keep up with her, but at least get up at 5 a.m., well, 4.50 to be out the door by 5 to go run <laughs> as far. I don't think run as far as Ashley, but I'll be out there. But I also would love to do some Orange Theory workouts with you, Corey, because I've never seen you in that element. But, yes, you can definitely find me in the stands eating popcorn at some point. So I like options. So you will, be the, you will be the neutral party in this poll. You will yes. have to vote. Uh, but option A, are you going to be Team Corey and you know see him go off the OTF? Would you rather work out with Corey if that were an option <laughs> for you, or are you Team B? Option B, Team Ashley. You want to run somewhere in Greensboro every morning, and you're more of an Ashley you know team member. Vote in the poll below. Uh, I have a suspicion that it's going to be heavily Ashley. Uh, possibly Olivia. Olivia's option C. You'd rather eat popcorn with Olivia. So, um, vote in the poll. <laughs> we'll see what you think. Um, and yeah, let us know what you uh, are going to be up to in Greece, bro. So, uh, vote for that. That's this week's pick 'em. All right, last segment of the, of the day. Uh, going to World U20 starting August first in Colombia. 
will any American athlete break a high school national record at this event over over seven days in Colombia? I'll start with you, Olivia. So I want to first start with establishing the current outdoor national record holders who will be competing, who could potentially lower their times. Number one in the 800 meters, we're going to see Juliet Whitaker and Rasheen Willis go head to head once again before they head off to Stanford. And I, I spoke with Juliet a handful of times over the last couple of weeks. She's just looking to just have fun potentially get on the podium. I know last week we talked about this, like what event we're looking forward to. The 800 is one of my events I'm looking forward to. And I feel like every time that Roisin uh, uh, and Juliet step on the track, we see something special. So Juliet goes in with a 159.04, which is the current national record. Roisin ran a two flat .03. So another question I have is, can we see Roisin dip underneath two minutes? That would be something huge and spectacular, just creating history as Roisin has always been doing. So that's something to look out for. In the pole vault, we have Amanda and Hannah Mull, the twins, uh, 14, nine and a half inches for Amanda, which she jumped and cleared in the pole vault at Texas Relays. Her twin cleared 14, five and a quarter at Oregon Relays, which is currently US number three. So we could see some, the, the raising of the bar happening from those two girls. Now for those athletes that don't already have an outdoor national record, I wanna talk about the girls 100 meters. We have Tina Clayton from Jamaica, who is your defending U20 champion. She ran a 1096 in June. Shanti Jackson and Mia Bra Pedersen are going to be your top two contenders for the U.S. And I think Shanti, who's ran 1128 so far this season, and Mia Bra Pedersen, who ran 1125, you know, the national record is a 1024. I don't know if they're going to dip under 11 seconds, but hey, when you have someone that's ran 1096 in June, who's really going to be pushing you, we could potentially see something really blazing fast in this girl's 100 meters. So I'm, I'm not going to count that one out, but you know, I think breaking 11 seconds, 11 seconds is going to be something huge. Big question mark for me is this boy's 400 meters and actually talked about him last week. And I think we need to talk about Cody Blackwood once again. He showed three seconds of improvement from his AAU district qualifier, which he ran a 53.12. And then at the USA Track and Field U20 World Trials, here he clocked a 50.62. So just looking at Cody Blackwood, we could potentially see something amazing from him. The national record, which was set by Norman Grimes back in 2015, he ran a 49-11 at the IAAF World Youth Championships. So I know that might be a stretch, but hey, I think Cody Blackwood is looking to end this season strong. So those are my picks and those athletes to kind of look out for at the World U20 Championships. And you were talking about 400-meter hurdles. There are only seven guys have gone under 50 seconds all time in high school history. I don't think it's out of the question. I I, I like that. Um, mm -hmm. Ashley. Now, looking at some people that could potentially break some national records, not saying that this is necessarily going to happen because I think it would be pretty difficult, but why not put Addie Wiley in this conversation here, potentially in the 1500? Not sure what she's looking to do right now, especially, you know, maybe she's already transitioned to more of that distance-oriented training ahead of starting at Colorado in the fall. But remember, she did run that insane 426-16, 1600 meter back in June. That converts to 407.75 for the 1500. Mary Kane's national high school record is 404.62. The national U20 record is 403.39 from Alexa Ephraimson in 2015 not saying that that'll necessarily happen per se but I mean I don't know I'll, I'll just throw it out there and then <laughs> I think 
potentially another person just throw out there would be Jordan Anthony in the 200 meters. Again, not sure if we'll see another record, but maybe has a fast one in the 200 left in him before football season at Kentucky. That's where he'll be attending. Starting in the fall, he ran a PR of 20-35 to win the USATF U20 meet just a month ago, which was a big PR. So maybe he still has something special left in him. 2009 national high school record set by none other than Noah Lyles. We talked about earlier on the show in 2016. <laughs> Anthony was consistently one of the top sprinters uh, outdoors and indoors this year. So maybe he has another one left in him if he hasn't transitioned fully into football mode. He's he's getting there though. I think I've seen a couple already like Instagram stories. He's like raring to go for yeah. Kentucky, yeah. <laughs> um, which is tough. <laughs> if you got a track meet still left on your calendar. I yep. think I think he'll do well. I think everyone who's headed there is actually really looking forward to it. Addy Wiley, I'm interested. 404, I you know the conversion to 407 is is um is is what it is. I mean that that's what the conversion is down to 1500. Do we think this is realistic? I, I, I don't know. I think it could be. Yeah. Addy Wiley had arguably the best, like, three-week stretch of anyone during, like, June or something or July. Like, she was just on fire. I, I think it's not, it's not out of the question. Agreed. Olivia, do you think it's out of the question or do you think that's ca- she's capable? I think she's capable. And especially after her, you know, running what she did a few weeks ago, it was kind of like a, wait, what just happened? Like Allie Wiley did what now? So I feel like she's the wild card in all of this. I feel as though I'm not like a hundred percent, like, I think this could go down, but I'm also like, eh, if she does it, I'm honestly not going to be surprised by it because we've seen her do something remarkable over the last couple of weeks. So that's just kind of my take on Addie Wiley. I think that's a great pick by Ashley as someone the, who could potentially the, break this record. The 1500 would be a much better record than the 1600 meter, which people, some people are like, eh, 1600, you know, why don't you just run the mile? So a lot, a lot of skeptics of that back, back way whenever it happened. So I, you know, I hope she goes for it because I want to see it. All right. On, on my side, I'm going to talk about Kate Peters again in the 3k um, she's quite a ways away from Katie Rainsberger's nine-minute uh, high, high school national record. I don't think she's in nine-minute territory. Um, I'm not going to say that, but I, I think she can run a, a U.S. number one right around 9.12 to 9.15. Currently, Dahlia Frias has the number one 1,500-meter time from the season. Ellie Shea also ran a very fast one this year. Kate Peters could very well run that or even faster, I think, as I said. She has a swagger about her that I just think, you know, not everyone has. So I really am interested to see how she competes in the 3K. And, I'm, you know, we'll, we'll see if she breaks 9-10. But I think she definitely has uh, the chops for it. So, cool. All right. That is the end of the show. Uh, Olivia, I watched The Bachelorette yesterday. That was the craziest freaking episode I've ever seen. You didn't see it? So wait, I have it on Hulu, so I watch it. So for me, it's available today. So it depends on what episode, okay. which episode did you watch? Uh, if, was you it like, see, if you didn't see last night, the that, that is the most, that's the most cringeworthy, awkward most okay. episode I've I'm ever seen in my life. I'm watching that today. Okay. I'll watch that today. All right. So so no spoiler for anybody. All right. Ashley, what are you watching? Anything? You just finished Stranger Things. <laughs> finished Stranger Things, finally, which took a while because, I mean, shoot, that last finale was like two hours and 20 minutes. I mean, I don't yeah. have the patience to sit down and watch that, which is terrible. Yeah. But, I mean, it was Did good, you break it I up, guess. Ashley? 
Sorry, what'd you say? Did you break it up? Did you watch like, yeah. did you watch like 45 minute increments? I, feel I actually like did, did. Yeah. Like I started it and then it just got too late and I was like falling asleep on the couch. And yeah. so I was like, okay, tomorrow I'll finish it. So, so. The, the final season of Stranger Things, they're going to go to like, you know, you remember the show 24, they're going to do every hour is an hour in actual reality. So they're going to do 24 hours of Stranger Things. Just kidding. But it is very long. Um, <laughs> all right. We will be back. Our next show is going to be cross-country uh, themed in August. So we're going to take some time off after AU Junior Olympics. Thank you for watching. In the meantime, stay tuned for all the coverage of AU on the site throughout the, the next week. And uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye.